Welcome to Greenfish Blue Oceans, the podcast where stories about seafood are good for you in the oceans. I'm Maureen Barry. This week, I'm tackling S is for salmon and shark fins. If you are paying attention to the food world, then you know we have a protein shortage for our growing global population. By the year 2050, the global population will reach 9.1 billion people, 34% higher than today in 2017. And 70% of the population will be urban. To satisfy the expected food and feed demand, we will require a substantial increase in global food production, over 70% by 2050. This involves an additional quantity of nearly 1 billion tons of cereals and 200 million tons of meat, which is a generic term for all protein sources. And we don't have to look to the future to see this is a problem. Currently, 1 billion people cannot meet the basic demands for food security. At our current pace, with warming temperatures and acidification in the oceans, Our natural resources, clean water, wild fisheries, and arable land will continue to be stressed. And with over 70% of the population living in an urban environment, where will they buy their food? Can you imagine what our food future looks like? So, what does all of this have to do with salmon and shark fins? Hey guys, welcome to the S is for salmon part of the program. You know we need protein to survive, right? Well, salmon is an exceptionally smart, lean, and healthy fish to eat. It's high in protein, vitamins, minerals, omega-3 fatty acids, and low in fat. What's not to love? But I have to tell you, I meet my fair share of people who don't like salmon. They only eat it because it's good for them. Now, for a salmon lover like myself, I have a hard time swallowing that. Did you know that salmon is the number two seafood eaten in the U.S., tied with tuna? Shrimp is the number one, in case you didn't know. And it might surprise you to know that over 50% of all seafood eaten includes those three species. Now, that in itself is a problem, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let me go back to that question I asked earlier. What will our food future look like? Enter aquaculture. It should be no surprise to you that more than half of the seafood we eat is farmed, including some wild salmon species, which are produced in hatcheries, then released into the wild. While I love my wild Alaska sockeye salmon, which is not raised in a hatchery, by the way, I know that wild salmon cannot support our growing global population, nor can everyone afford the high cost of Alaska salmon, which ranges from $15 a pound to $30 a pound on the retail side. We need smarter solutions. 
So here are two opportunities happening right now to help support the future of feeding our growing global population. In Miami, ground was broken to build the first U.S. land-based salmon facility. Atlantic Sapphire, the largest farm salmon producer in the world, broke ground on a massive facility in Miami earlier this year. Its goal is to double the consumption of salmon in the U.S. in the next 10 to 15 years. Atlantic Sapphire developed a land-based recirculating system with a closed containment, which means there's no opportunity for escapement into the wild, which potentially produces two problems, crossbreeding and disease. So we don't need that. I think we can all agree there. And with a land-based system right here in the U.S., there will be a lower carbon footprint and hopefully a lower price point. This is a big win for U.S. salmon lovers. The second big salmon news I want to mention happened earlier this year also. The first shipment of genetically modified salmon was shipped from Aqua Bounty, a land-based facility in Panama, to Quebec. 4.5 metric tons of fillets, or about 10,000 pounds, hit the Canadian market. The GM salmon harvested by Aqua Bounty is a cross between Atlantic salmon and an eel, in its simplest terms, this genetic combination enables the fish to grow faster, three times faster, in fact. It looks just like farm salmon that you see in the market. This is not sci-fi stuff. Aquabounty conceptualized the GM salmon idea 25 years ago. Now, as you might imagine, there's been much buzz about this product, good and bad. For instance, is genetically modified salmon a smart solution? Is it morally acceptable to alter the genetic code of an animal to produce a faster-growing fish? Do we have a right to know if we're eating genetically modified fish? Is this an industry disruptor or a one-off? I don't have all those answers, but it is food for thought. Now, do we need genetically modified salmon to supplement the growing demand for lean protein? Aqua Bounty would seem to think so. Earlier this year, I polled a group of AP environmental high school students when I was doing a presentation. I asked, with a show of hands, who thinks GM salmon is a good idea? I was pleasantly surprised that more than half of the 30 students in the classroom raised their hands. You see, when you consider the dilemma of sourcing lean protein to feed a growing global population, farm fish is one of the best solutions. And as far as GM salmon goes, I think it's too soon to tell. For me, I just want to know if what I'm eating is genetically modified, then I can make a conscious decision and choice. And worth noting, Barton Siever, chef, cookbook author, and the darling of the sustainable seafood movement says that this is a watershed movement in the seafood world. He says consumers shouldn't be fearful about the fish they eat. And he's right. So why are people so fussy about seafood? Maybe because for the first part, fish fillets are not pumped with preservatives to keep it shelf-stable like chicken, pork, and beef. Notice I said, for the most part, Shrimp and scallops are pumped with preservatives, 
and some sushi tuna is processed and preserved. Also, there is grouper, cobia, and tilapia on the market that is also preserved. And don't worry, it's all legal. But that's another podcast episode. Back to the GM salmon. Now, you won't find GM salmon in the U.S. market just yet because we haven't established laws about labeling that type of product. This is very new. So let me segue into some best practices when you're shopping for salmon at the market. The following is a short excerpt from my cookbook, Salmon from Market to Plate. Regardless of the type of salmon you buy or where you buy it, by law, all salmon sold in the United States should have a label. Labels state the species and whether the salmon is farmed, frozen, frozen at sea, previously frozen, wild, or a combination of one or more of these designations. Additionally, certification labels are popping up, so it's important to know what labels are trustworthy. Color-coded labels from Seafood Watch, for instance, show three different types of fish and they're color-coded. Green indicates best choice, yellow means it's a good alternative, and then red means avoid. Several other organizations developed certification programs and seafood rating systems to help make shopping easier too. These systems make the seafood industry safer, more accountable, and healthier for the future of fish and our oceans. Organizations like the Safina Center, formerly Blue Ocean Institute, a science-based organization offers its rating program called Seafood Choices. Global Aquaculture Alliance developed best aquaculture practices, and Marine Stewardship Council offers its certification process too. Fish Choice is another excellent seafood buying guideline. You can find more information on the website, and I put links in the show notes for all of those organizations if you're interested. All of these organizations work toward the same goal, to make buying fresh, sustainable seafood a priority, so you have the information and the knowledge to buy sustainable seafood. Sustainable seafood means more than just a trendy word. Sustainable seafood means action. So aside from organizations, charts, codes, and apps, the first shopping tip for buying fresh salmon is a no-brainer. Buy fresh salmon the same day or the day before you intend to cook it. For instance, if you buy salmon on Sunday and don't plan to cook it until Thursday, freeze the salmon when you get home or wait and buy it on Thursday. Sounds simple enough, right? But what if your grocery doesn't have fresh salmon or only sells salmon that isn't sustainable? Then you need to either buy your fish online from a reputable distributor or head to the freezer aisle. I put a few links in the show notes, or you could buy a copy of my cookbook, Salmon from Market to Plate, if you're interested, for more information. In addition to shopping resources, my cookbook defines what sustainable salmon is and why you should care. I define wild and farm salmon to help you make better choices at the market. Plus, you'll get 30 delicious, easy recipes using three cooking techniques, in the oven, on the stovetop, or on the grill. And my book is available in print or ebook wherever you buy books online. 
Now, if you'd like a signed copy and you want to give it as a gift, shoot me an email. I can ship a copy to your home or to your business. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to all that. No more Sally Sal, as Chris Brogan likes to say. I love that catchy little phrase. So thanks, Chris, if you're listening. All right, let's take a quick break, and I will be right back with S is for Shark Fins. Hey guys, welcome back to the S is for shark fins part of the program. Hey, if my voice sounds a little nasally today, it's because it's super cold here in Kentucky. We're already in the low 30s and it's only October 28th. So I had a really good time um, doing the research for this part of the program. So I hope you will enjoy this. Let's dig right in. Sharks have been swimming in the oceans for over 420 million years. They are the world's top predators and the Earth's oldest life forms. Sharks are simply magnificent creatures. They live in the wild on average of 20 to 30 years, but some sharks, like the spiny dogfish shark, can live 100 years. The Greenland shark can live to be over 400 years old, unless someone cuts its fins off. So why would anyone cut the fins from a shark? Three words, shark fin soup. First, let me dive into a little shark fin anatomy. Bear with me. A shark uses its fins to get around in the water, like we use our legs to get around on land. A shark has pectoral fins, those that lift the shark in the water. Think of them as the steering fins. Pelvic fins stabilize the shark. And a shark has two dorsal fins. The first dorsal fin, a large triangular shaped fin on its back. It's the one that we see extending from the water on film and in video. And if you're unlucky, you're in the water and see that. The second dorsal fin is smaller and located near a shark's tail. These fins act as stabilizers. And a shark has a tail fin, which moves the animal forward. Some sharks have anal fins. A shark moves side to side to propel itself through the water, but it cannot do so without its fins. Ultimately, without fins, a shark will starve to death, get eaten by other fish, or simply drown. Did you know that over 70 million sharks are caught every year for their fins? That's a ridiculous number. Ridiculous. And since nearly one-third of all shark species are threatened with extinction, that's unacceptable. Beyond unacceptable. So back to that shark fin soup. So shark fin soup despite all of that, is still consumed. It's an Asian delicacy. Now, I have to admit, I'm adventurous in the kitchen, but shark fin soup is one of those foods I just draw the line at. It doesn't even sound appetizing at all. 
I think the practice of shark finning is barbaric and horrific. Let's just say I've seen too many videos of finless dead sharks on the bottom of the ocean. But I need to understand the historical and cultural aspect of shark finning and shark fin soup. Because despite the brutal implications of destroying one of the Earth's most precious and misunderstood creatures, people just can't stop eating shark fin soup. And there has to be a reason. So first, I'm going to dig a little deeper into shark anatomy, specifically the actual composition of a shark fin. So a shark's fins are rigid. They have collagen fibers, which are spread out like a fan and are supported by cartilage. The collagen fibers are thin like needles and are called fin needles. There is little if no muscle tissue and little fat in a shark fin. Shark fins are made up of water, protein, calories, phosphorus, calcium, iron, and ash. There's no flavor to this shark fin. Let me repeat, no flavor to the shark fin. So, shark fin soup, people aren't eating the fin. They're eating those fin needles. That's the ingredient found in shark fin soup. Shark fin soup has a long history dating back to the Ming Dynasty from 1368 to 1644. Shark fin soup is thought to have healing properties. It denotes wealth and prosperity. It's a tradition, a sign of respect. But fortunately, the tides are changing. Conservation groups have united and shark finning is banned around the world. That's not to say fishermen aren't catching sharks for their fins. There is still plenty of illegal, unreported, unregulated fishing going on around the world. Now get this. There's such a thing as a fake shark fin now. I love that. It's called smart fin. It was developed by the amazing people at New Wave Foods, the same people who are making fake shrimp. The smart fin is constructed out of yeast that is rewritten and then molded with bacteria and protein. Since real shark fins have no flavor, remember, New Wave Food is working to mimic the texture so that smart fins offers the toothsome crunch that shark fin soup lovers crave. This idea and re-engineering doesn't come all wrapped up in a shiny box with a bow. There are critics. They say that this fake shark fin could reinvigorate the interest in shark fins at a time when the younger Chinese generation is moving away from it, making this an emotional decision. So there's that. But that is just speculation on my part. And get this, the Chinese government has at least eliminated shark fins from official banquets to help the effort to reduce shark fin consumption. So now, what can you do? What does this have to do with you? Well, here's a no-brainer. Just don't eat shark fin soup. Help protect sharks. Don't give your cold hard cash to restaurants that serve shark fin soup if you happen to be in Asia or traveling there. You could sign a petition to stop illegal shark finning. And as usual, I put a link in the show notes that will take you right to that to put your John Hancock on there. Lastly, 
You can share this podcast with your family and friends to help create awareness. Knowledge is power, my friends. And don't forget to share with your kids. This is a terrific opportunity for them to learn about some of our planet's oldest, savviest creatures. Thanks so much for listening to Greenfish Blue Oceans. Next up on the podcast, T is for tuna and Ted's. Now, that should be intensely interesting. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would be so kind, leave a review on iTunes. I don't think I have any yet. I would love it if you did. And please reach out. You can email me at maureencberry at gmail.com or find me tweeting at maureencberry.